Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today is podcast number 1,942. The topic is mindset and the title is Trainer Education Building Confidence. I love getting to work with trainers. Actually, over half of my clients are personal trainers. And one of the main reasons why I love it is I know anything I help them with is going to help everyone they work with. So it kind of feels like everything I do has a little more impact. So it's all about me. <laughs> um, jokingly saying that is it is funny because it just it does make me feel better to feel as though I get to reach out and touch more people uh, in, in a sense of helping their lives. Uh, but I guess that's like uh, reminds me of a Friends episode. I think it was Phoebe. That was trying to prove that, like, no, like, there was good deeds that don't come back, like, for personal uh, um, satisfaction. But it is it is funny because you do feel good doing something good for somebody else. So then you do get personal benefit from it. And I think I've already uh, gotten off track. <laughs> but <laughs> as, as selfish as I might feel saying that, that I like helping people that can have a lot of impact on other people's lives, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's probably common. Um, okay, there's my little miniature, uh, therapy session for myself there. So we're going to get into (laughs) next is what I want to do today is talk about five, uh, well, just give five tips on building confidence as a personal trainer. Since I do work with a lot of personal trainers, some of them are brand new. Some of them are well-established. So it's kind of fun having a wide variety of, of clients who are trainers. Some of the newer ones and even some of the established ones will have some confidence uh, concerns from time to time. With the established trainers, it can often be uh, like with COVID happening 2020, a lot of established trainers had a hit on the people that could Uh, that they were working with like in person obviously that went down Uh, some trainers I know who had businesses actually went out of business so that's unfortunate and then even some online coaches they struggled to pull in new people and struggled with how to advertise and market in that uh, atmosphere so anytime there's like a cultural swing uh, financial hardship uh, throughout the economy uh, wherever the person's located. I work with people outside of the United States. So there's a lot of conditions and environments, uh, environmental factors. But it isn't uncommon even for someone who's been doing this, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years to have some confidence swings from time to time. When somebody's new, you're definitely going to struggle with confidence. Uh, and that's absolutely normal. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think you'd probably be psychotic if you didn't have some kind of confidence questions <laughs> when you're new. If you just thought you were, you know, the best in the world and you're brand new at it, I would I would be scared for you. <laughs> it's always good to assume that you're doing some things right and to assume that there are some things yet to learn. <laughs> that's kind of been my approach is... I, I do believe that what I know, I know, but I do believe that there is more to know. <laughs> so the five tips that I want to share in today's podcast are to number one, work on self-improvement, and I'll discuss in which areas and kind of how to do that. Number two is keep an in and out focus. I'll explain that. Number three, stay light, stay slightly uncomfortable. Number four is to track the data. And number five, you are helpful if you are at least one step ahead. So let's go back to number one. Number one tip is to work on self-improvement. If you are improving, 
regardless of what's happening with your clients, regardless of what's happening with your income, you know that your value as a trainer is improving. Therefore, there is hope for things to continue to get better. (laughs) So as long as you're improving, you know that you're learning more and you have more to offer in the future as you continue to improve. So that's a big helpful one is don't lose sight of yourself. Don't sacrifice your goals for the growth of everyone else and or your business. Now, I made this mistake. I know. It's amazing. I've made all of these mistakes. (laughs) But this is something I struggled with a lot when I first opened Brutal Iron Gym. So I've been training people for money uh, since I've been 18 years old. And for a long period of time, it was like a secondary thing. I grew up in the kind of middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, and being a personal trainer wasn't really a, a career. So when I saw guidance counselors in, in high school, and no one asked if, like, oh, you're going to be a personal trainer, that's great. No, if you, if you want to be a personal trainer, they took you, They said, well, you should do uh, physical therapy, or you should do athletic trainer. And I actually went to be an athletic trainer, then realized that it had nothing to do with training athletes. It was getting them water bottles and towels and wrapping their ankles and basically babysitting athletes. And I was like, I don't really like to do that. Uh, but I think I just offended every athletic trainer. But it wasn't what I had wanted. It wasn't what I thought it was. So let's just say it that way. Uh, then physical therapy, chiropractic work, that would be awesome. And uh, I do work with physical therapists and chiropractors. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't personal training. That Those are different fields. So whenever I was getting into this, you know, personal training wasn't an option. So I was doing it on the side as I went through undergrad and then uh, during grad school, I was lucky enough to come down to South Carolina, go to Winthrop University, and I taught at Winthrop University. And the first year I got there, they had just built out their new rec center for the students. They were starting a personal training program that was offered to the students and faculty, and I was able to take part in that and help to build out that program and be one of the trainers to start that. So I started uh, doing, I was doing personal training on the side still. I got my undergrad in health and phys ed, got my master's in nutrition, and as I went through those programs, I liked the content I was learning, but I still liked being a personal trainer more. (laughs) So I liked my side job more than I liked the, the stuff I was going to school for. Whenever I got done with my master's in nutrition, I actually had two of my teachers as students, as, as clients, because they were teaching about health nutrition, but they didn't necessarily understand aesthetic nutrition or performance nutrition, which is what I did know and what I loved. So I was working with them and I realized, you know, this is actually, this is a field that people need to know and want to know. And I was lucky enough to keep a teaching job at the university after I graduated. So I was teaching at the university. And as I was coming to the end of my master's, I was like, well, I don't really want to go into the jobs directly related to my field. Why don't I just dive deeper into training people? There were some local gyms that I talked to them about being a personal training director for them, but they wanted a significant portion of the money of what I would have brought into the gym. And I was going to be doing like all of the work. All they were providing was a building with equipment. And I was like, well, what the hell? I can get a building with equipment. (laughs) And I know equipment better than these people and I can pick better equipment. So I did. (laughs) So I got my own space, got my own equipment and started training people and ended up making more money training people than I did teaching at the university. And then it became kind of my now full-time job. So that was my kind of evolutionary process as going through it. And 
what I loved about that was I, I get to do what I love to do now as my job. The challenging part, and now back to the what I was talking about part, <laughs> was when I first opened the gym, I had signed a lease for a lot of money. I had signed uh, like for to rent the place. I also uh, bought some equipment new under an equipment loan. So I had some bills to pay, and it was just I had to get people through the door. I was doing whatever I could, and to me, I was like, okay, I could set aside two hours to train myself or... I could train two more clients and make more money. So I was training 10 to 12 hours a day, face-to-face, in person. Then outside of those 10 to 12 hours, I had to clean the gym, write everybody's training programs for the days we didn't meet, write their nutrition programs. I had to check and see if they were doing all the nutrition and training correctly. I then had to deal with the finances for the day and other odds and ends. So I still fit in my training when I could. I was still training three to four times a week, uh, sometimes more. But... It was exhausting, absolutely not my best self-care moment, and I did that for quite a few years, and then it just kind of caught up to me. I had really bad uh, uh, plantar fasciitis. I had a lot of uh, like static nerve pain just from standing all day and being super-duper tight, and I started realizing there's no way in the world I'm going to make it in this business if my body is slowly falling apart. So... Due to the pain of those injuries and issues, I had to start setting time aside. I am not naturally a morning person at that time. I've learned to be. Uh, so I set morning aside because I didn't. it was easier for me to get up and kind of meander and take care of myself and get awake for the day before I would see somebody face-to-face. So I started setting time aside for myself. And that's not coincidentally when the business started actually taking off and growing even more. So that is why I do recommend to take care of yourself because when I got back to taking care of myself, not only uh, did I feel healthier, but my energy, mood, um, everything I was given to the clients, there was just more to give. At the moment, I would have passed a lie detector test saying that I was giving everything I could. And I think my clients were all very happy. I had more clients wanting to work with me than I had time to do it. So I had a waiting list. But I noticed when I took care of myself, all of a sudden, I was a little more energetic to do things. So for example, in our gym, we had battle ropes, but they had to be set up to use. Well, when I was not taking care of myself, I did not take the extra five minutes to set that up. I'd find some other exercise to do. When I started taking care of myself and had more energy, all of a sudden, I'd get the battle ropes ready ahead of time. I would go do some other things that required more effort or more exertion. It was, it was something to where I could start to tell only after I did it. While I was in the mix of not taking care of myself, I would have said I was doing my best, and I, I probably was, given what my best was at the time. But once I started taking care of myself, it kind of reignited my excitement, it reignited my passion, my energy, and things started improving and growing and the business started really taking off. So I really would encourage you to always, 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 always keep in mind that you are your first client. You are the first person you need to take care of because if you're not taking care of you, how the hell are you going to take care of everybody else? I tell this to parents all the time. You know, you you want to try to help your children, you want to help your spouse, you want to be there for everybody else. But if if you, if your health is just fading away and going to nothing, you're, there's not going to be anything of you to help people with. I had a really nice client one time. 
super wonderful lady. Uh, she gave everything she could to family and friends and her church and stuff, but she wasn't taking care of herself. She would have really bad arthritis. She would get sick. There were days she'd have to stay in bed, days she couldn't do certain events at the, at the church. And I'm looking at her and I'm saying like, you know, lady. <laughs> of course, I said her name and I was much nicer in, in person. But it's like all it needs is if you just take, you know, maybe 30 minutes a day to prep and plan some food for the day. So that way you're not eating once or twice meanderingly, like you're actually eating on purpose. <laughs> and if you train two times a week, maybe even three times a week with weights, you don't miss any of those days. You don't miss any of that time. So what she was not wanting to take away, like, oh, I can't go work out on Wednesday. I have this event and that event and this event and that event. Yeah, but if you don't work out on Wednesday, you're going to miss on Thursday. Because now all of a sudden you're tired, something hurts, you can't get out of bed, or you miss a whole week because you have a flu and cold because your immune system was run down because you weren't eating anything, you weren't hydrating yourself. It's unbelievable and frustrating <laughs> uh, that people, when, when, uh, when we're kind of on the external, when we're looking at other people's lives, we're usually really good at telling them what they're doing wrong. <laughs> We can, we can tell what everyone else is doing wrong, right? But when we look at our life, we kind of, we hope we get it all right. But uh, even if we don't, you know, have that crazy confidence and thinking we're perfect, uh, we also are just a little unaware. When we're in it and we're looking at our own life, it sometimes can be hard to see what we're getting right and getting wrong. Uh, so what I was trying to get across to her and what I'd like to get across to you is from an external point of view, and from seeing this over thousands and thousands of clients, that you have to take care of yourself. If you take care of yourself, whatever little bits of time that you have to protect from others to take care of yourself, you will have more of yourself to give to those others later. So it's, it's a definite good investment. Now, in taking care of yourself, uh, as a trainer, what I would encourage you to work on in regards to self-improvement, Learn as much as you can about nutrition. That will be absolutely the limiting factor of anything you know in training. doesn't matter what you give a client to do in a workout. If they're not eating correctly, nothing will happen. You will not get the outcome of the training that you want. They're not going to get it. They're going to be frustrated, angry, and things are just going to go crashing and burning. So learn nutrition first. Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely what every trainer needs to know first. I would encourage you to learn about nutrition before you learn about squats. Because anything you do with squats, whether you want, if you want a positive adaptation from that effort, it has to be nutritionally supported. So learn about nutrition, 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 then training. <laughs> and then you want to learn about how to improve adherence in those areas. So that's time management, energy management, just life skill management. Uh, then you would look at interpersonal uh, skills. So how do you communicate well with people? You know, what's proper body language if you meet with them face to face? Uh, proper tone, inflection. If you do a lot of writing emails, you got to look at um, kind of like verbal communication via texting, via emails, like written, like written verbal communication. You tend to have to be a lot more positive and excited than you'd be in person. Uh, so uh, like the journals, I all my online clients have a private journal that they can log in and kind of write everything they want to write, and then I give them reviews. I use a lot more exclamation points and a lot more emphatic language than I would use in person. In person, I would seem probably like a psychotic, crazy person, uh, but on on paper, you don't want to have any doubts as to what you're 
uh, mood is when you're writing something. So if, if I write, like, good job, with, like with a period, so just good job, it's like, uh, okay. But if I write good job with an exclamation mark, they're like, oh, he's excited. Like, great, I did a good job. But if it's good job with a period, it's like, nah, you did it. Okay, let's move on. It's not exciting, right? So if you worked all freaking week to get your nutrition right, and all you see is good job with a period, you're going to be like, damn. <laughs> but if you see good job uh, with an exclamation mark, or even great job, or awesome in all capital letters, that's going to make you feel more excited. That's going to make you feel more validated in the effort that you put in. So we have to learn communication skills, whether that's in person, whether that's written, uh, however the hell you communicate with people, you learn how to do that better. <laughs> so then I would suggest you learn about supplements, at least be aware of them, uh, and know kind of current research with common supplements, and then corrective therapies, which you would, another terminology would be rehab, but don't wait till somebody's hurt. <laughs> Try to help them before they get hurt. Uh, but those are key areas. I didn't want to list too, too many, but that's six that I think absolutely every trainer should be spending some amount of time into learning those things. So nutrition, training, adherence, which would be time and energy management and kind of life management, um, which also includes like stress management. Then interpersonal skills, basically communication stuff, uh, supplements and corrective therapies. So in order to do this, you want to schedule learning moments you can actually set aside concrete time per week to do that. So schedule it like you'd schedule a client and say, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going I'm to learn things. I'm not going to train a client. I'm not going to go to a doctor's appointment. I'm not going to run some stupid errands. I'm not going to answer emails. I'm going to actually learn something. You can set the time aside like you would set a time aside for a client. Or it can be kind of small habits. So for myself, I watch videos when I eat. So while I'm eating, I'll log in like Lane Norton. He has a, like, What the Fit, which is like these Friday things where he talks about crazy uh, things in current diet culture, nutrition culture. But he also has other videos that are really good about nutrition, and they're relatively short. I think they're like 10 minutes or less. Uh, that's great stuff. Ted Ed, freaking, oh my gosh, what a resource. Golly. You can learn anything you want to learn on Ted Ed. So I look at... Um, uh, intrapersonal skills like communication. I remember I watched a really great video once on um, just how you use your hands when you talk and how impactful that is. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So Ted Ed is great uh, resource as well. And then I watch you know training videos and stuff. It's harder to find more concise training videos, but they're out there. Um, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, so I watched that on YouTube pretty much. Um, or I'll listen to audiobooks while I'm doing mindless chores. So if I'm not talking with my wife Meredith while doing something, so maybe I'm doing laundry, folding clothes, cutting grass, cleaning something, I'll listen to an audiobook because uh, otherwise I'm bored. <laughs> so I'll listen to an audiobook. The two categories I listen to of all audiobooks except for one. So I've listened to 100 plus audiobooks. One I listen to for a, a random reason. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Don't even know why I mentioned it then. But the uh, just for, I guess, to be truthful. So other than that one book, the only two areas of books that I listen to are business and self-help. So I actually don't get my nutrition and training information from books very often. I have when I was younger. Uh, Arnold's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, hell yeah, you had to read that. Uh, Boris Shako's Powerlifting book, fantastic. Um, I read, uh, there was like a Muscle and Anatomy uh, book that was freaking awesome. I love that book. Um, so that was a really good one to listen read to. I read uh, Nutrient Timing. 
um, which uh, I think it was by John Ivey. Great book. Uh, there was Chris Aceto's Championship Bodybuilding. Wonderful book. I'm trying to think of some other ones. The Power of Full Engagement by Jim Lohr. Excellent book. Uh, so a lot of a lot of books I have read, like actual hard copies of, but I, I do mostly uh, audiobooks. Uh, but I got off the tangent of like I don't typically do nutrition and training via books. <laughs> um, I do business and self help via books, and then nutrition and training I, I kind of like to have uh, kind of more concise, more um, yeah, just concise so I can go through more content. So I don't want to read. Like, for example, if I want to learn about gluten-free nutrition, gluten-free dieting, I don't want to read or listen to a book that takes me eight hours, whereas I can just watch like a YouTube video for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and all of a sudden I understand a pretty good basics of it. So I would rather consume maybe 10 YouTube videos that adds up to maybe an hour or so, find the common threads, start working on it from there, then to invest like several hours into a singular resource because you always have to compare resources uh, when you're looking at nutrition and training, especially nutrition, is when you take just one single viewpoint and believe that to be the gospel or like this is the way it is, ooh, that's dangerous. So I would definitely encourage you to to find as many sources as you can for nutrition. That can be overwhelming and you do eventually have to kind of pick a viewpoint that you feel makes the most sense and then just take that and develop that over time which is what I've done and what I would encourage you to do but I always stay mentally open to other theories and other strategies so like I've learned about every diet under the sun you name it I think I've learned about them all (laughs) Um, there are often some good things you can take from any of them but then there are often some cons so pros and cons there's often some cons for some and what I like about that is then for each client I, I work with, I'm like, oh, okay, these sets of pros and these sets of cons would work best for you in your situation. These diet styles have these pros and these cons. So let's find a diet style that's a mixture of some of these. So it gives you more information to play with to then personalize better uh, per client that you work with. So that's how I manage self-improvement. Uh, Uh, You know, you can find your own way, but that's at least some suggestions to get going with. So again, work on self-improvement in the areas of nutrition, training, adherence, interpersonal skills, uh, supplements, and corrective therapies. So that was already a long investment into tip number one. So I'm going to be a little faster with the rest of these. Otherwise, it's going to be like too many hours. (laughs) So in and out focus. When you look at social media, it will absolutely erode your confidence because all you're going to see is what you don't have. You don't have these high-end clients. You don't have thousands of clients. Maybe you don't have all these available resources, all these opportunities. So it can be absolutely overwhelming to look outside of yourself at social media. So I would encourage you to focus inward. Focus on the clients you do have, on the resources you do have. Focus on what you have and what yet you can maximize with those things before you worry about what you don't have. There's an enormous amount of stories, so I'll I'll, I'll save too many of them because otherwise I'm going to get going too long. But it's important to focus on the clients you have because if if they're successful, word of mouth spreads, and then you will grow. 
But if you're not paying attention to the clients you have, you're giving them kind of half-assed efforts and you're putting all your efforts into making you know promotional content for social media to bring in new clients, you're going to be losing the clients you have. As you're trying to bring in new clients, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to kind of spin your wheels, right? People are leaving as they're coming in. You don't get ahead. So take care of who you have first before you worry about who you don't have. And as you improve the people you do have, opportunities and new clients will come. But at the same time, we do have to look outside of ourselves to at least be aware of what the current trends are, uh, the new research, new technology. So for example, chat GPT, whenever that started becoming a thing, I signed on on AI Open, I believe is the website, to get into ChatGPT. And I started just asking ChatGPT a bunch of questions. I wanted to see, you know, can can ChatGPT write me a, a bodybuilding program for four workouts a week? I don't want to work out longer than one hour, but you have to work around a shoulder problem so I don't have any, can't have any overhead movements and my uh, lower back considerations. So it spits out this program. And what was interesting was, it was able to do some of the, like the things that I asked it to do, it was able to do. However, it didn't know certain things. So for example, if I tell it to worry about lower back considerations, it might be programmed to say, take away deadlifts. But it had me doing like barbell bent over rows into like another bent over movement. And like you would say, oh, okay. So barbell bent over rows are challenging on the lower back so say for example the program would have you go upper back workout you would have uh, like say uh, pull downs pull-ups bent over rows then 45 degree hyperextensions and it's like well damn if you do bent over rows into 45 hyperextensions your low back's gonna be lit up your spinal erectors are gonna be screaming at you ql is gonna be pissed and angry the next day so it, it knew certain things but it didn't know those kind of things However, ChatGPT is freaking awesome for recipes and food ideas. Um, that's one of the things I absolutely hate the most is coming up with food ideas for clients. Uh, so sorry, clients, but just there's some transparency for you. Because no one wants to eat the same damn thing all the time. Very few do, and some do, but they do a great job. But often somebody will tell me, you know, oh, can you write me some options for breakfast? I'll write them options. Four days in, they're like, well, I don't really like these. Can you write me another one? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not writing any more of these damn things. So here's the calories you need to aim for. Here's the grams of protein. Here are some common protein foods. Here are some common carb foods and fats foods. You put those together into what you like. <laughs> so if I don't want to write that anymore, but the client doesn't know enough yet how to put that all together, ChatGPT is the man. So that it can get it done. Uh, so I'll use ChatGPT to come up with meal ideas uh, because why the hell am I going to sit there and write that out? Uh, because ChatGPT can do as good as I would do and it's actually going to do better because I'm going to be mostly focusing on foods that I would eat or structures of meals that I would do that isn't necessarily what the client would do. So you can get rid of personal bias and actually greater exposure of information by using something like ChatGPT for meal ideas. So that's an idea, like an example where you want to look outward and understand that ChatGPT is a new technology. You want to become familiar with it, but you also want to look inward so you don't lose confidence uh, by looking at what everybody else has, but not what you have. You have things available to you that you can still excel at and work on and improve. So focus on that first. Third tip is to stay slightly uncomfortable. Say yes to and or create opportunities that stretch you. 
do some things that scare you every now and then. Look for ways to put yourself out there. I did a lot of free speaking engagements when I was trying to build the business in Rock Hill. I'm not native to Rock Hill. I grew up in Pennsylvania. So when I started like wanting to grow the, the gym, I was like, oh, I gotta have people got to know that I exist. So I offered to go talk to high schools for free. I talked to high schools uh, for health classes, for sports. I did that for free. I went to a community center. I went uh, like the local church. My best friend uh, is a pastor. So I did a speaking engagement at his church. Uh, just put yourself out there. Talk to people. Get, get uncomfortable. And my absolute favorite thing is Q&A sessions because the randomness and just the fun opportunities, learning opportunities is amazing. And just getting to learn what people care about the most or what's on people like the top of their mind. Like, there's just infinite examples. I remember one time I went to high school and... I was talking to a high school class. I think they were 11th graders. And I was like, can anybody tell me, you know, some protein foods? So I go, just shout them out. And I hear banana, rice. And then I think they said, like, bread. And I was like, are you guys joking? Like, is this a joke? And I looked at the teacher, who's probably red-faced and embarrassed. But I was like, no. I was like, none of those. <laughs> the wrong, wrong, wrong. And they all started laughing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we had to go through it and kind of correct it. But it was fun. It was fun to see that where to start with the knowledge was here's what has protein <laughs> to start that basic. Whereas when I went to another place, the first Q&A question I got asked was, uh, does alcohol impair muscle growth? And I'm like, ooh, this is fun. So I was like, yeah, it does. <laughs> so we started talking about the science of that. And it happened to be at a, um, a drug and rehab clinic. <laughs> So it was awesome. I love that stuff. Love those opportunities. So I would encourage you to do speaking opportunities. Um, Like look for new clients. Offer discounted training services for new client areas or categories. So if you want to get into training powerlifters, say, hey, you know, I'm going to offer anybody the first month at a 50% discount if you want to learn how to powerlift. And then you're going to train them and you're going to figure it out. So put yourself out there. Try new things. Experiment a little bit. Go to clinics. If you have any kind of seminars or clinics near you, go to them. I've gone to a bajillion. I remember one time I, I through a friend of a friend, I got my way into a uh, strength and conditioning coaching, uh, high school coaching uh, clinic because Westside Barbell was hosting it. And although I am not a high school strength and conditioning coach, no one really checked. So I was able to sneak in and get myself in there. So it was really cool. I got to learn a lot of stuff, got to look at their equipment because they were trying to sell equipment, which is why they were off in the free seminar. But it's tons of free stuff tons of, and tons of just great information. So put yourself out there. That would be the big thing. I remember whenever I wanted to learn more about corrective therapies, I was practicing on myself practicing on clients and then I had some connections who let me and were open to the opportunity of uh, me hosting some free corrective therapy uh, at local powerlifting meets. (laughs) So I had a little booth and I offered totally for free to work on powerlifters if they were having any kind of muscle tightness or joint pain. I remember one uh, clinic, I think I did it up in Raleigh, I worked on over 70 people in one day. I was exhausted. It was like 10-hour day. But it was freaking awesome. Absolutely loved it. I worked with 70-some people. You tell me about the learning opportunity on that day. Holy crap. I did a couple other ones, and it was just amazing to get to help people, get to learn, get to just expose myself to new opportunities, new information, and that really helped a lot. 
So stay slightly uncomfortable. Tip number four, track the data for yourself and your clients. Track various metrics so you can learn what's actually working and not working and why, why is it not working so that way you can correct it. The more you stay aware, the more learning opportunities you have. So for example, I know a trainer who will remain unnamed, but they'll find out who they are in a second, <laughs> who trains clients who they don't really know what they're doing nutritionally for calories, protein, or hydration. But they're training clients to improve mobility and flexibility. But yet the clients are coming in saying like, oh, I'm kind of stiff today, or oh, I'm kind of this. And then they wonder, what can I do in the training? The training isn't working. Maybe I need this new exercise. Maybe I need this new stretch. They're constantly tweaking their training. And it has nothing to do with the damn training. The clients aren't drinking enough fluid, and they're not eating enough food. So they're going to feel like shit, and then you're going to think you're training shit, whenever really you're just not tracking any data or paying any attention. Like, so, I get fired up. So that trainer is wasting their time updating all these programs, trying to find new stretches. Not that it's a waste of time, because they're going to eventually need that information later on. But that's not the solution. The solution is their clients have to freaking pay attention to their calories, protein, and hydration. You know, so if the client's coming to you and telling you that they want to improve in these areas, you tell them, hey, in order to do that, we have to do X, Y, Z. And they're like, well, I like X and I like Z, but I'm not doing Y. <laughs> You can't pick and choose. Like you gotta, gotta kind of do all the things that factor into it. So you have to be aware of calories, protein, hydration, uh, timing of those elements. So that way your training actually does actually have positive impact. So if you're not aware of the nutritional component, you would constantly think, oh, I might not have the right stretch. Maybe I'm, maybe I need to do this exercise. Maybe I need to do that drill. Maybe I'm not working on the right area of the body and I need to try this. Maybe it, I need to do three days instead of four days or two days instead of five days. And you're going to constantly change all these variables that have nothing to do with the damn problem because you're not checking all the data. So check as many things as you can. For me, I track my clients' nutrition and nutrition apps. I track their progressions and workouts. I, I play with and change training styles, accessory movements. I check and see kind of what what changes I make and then what makes like what change happens from those things. And the more I'm aware of that, the, the better I can fine-tune things. And it allows me to constantly stay mentally engaged and I'm always updating what I'm doing. So I've talked about it in past podcasts is I have a document, a Microsoft Word document, that has an exercise name and a video tutorial and I then copy and paste that exercise by exercise movement by movement for each individual client so I'm like okay squats what do I want to do them for movement preparation I know this person has a like external rotational problems so I got to really work on their shoulders before I would try to get them under a barbell back squat especially if they do low bar so I might do movement therapies focused on the shoulders maybe another client had you know an ACL repair so we got to do some more knee stuff maybe another client had a hip replacement so we got to do more hip stuff so I'll plug into the exercises that I need per per client per movement per section of the workout and I just build the workouts from there that document has 310 pages an average of 18 exercises per page. That is over 5,000 exercises. So the document I use to write client programs has over 5,000 exercises. I just hit control F and then I start typing the name of the movement I want and it pops up, copy and paste it, build the program. I am adding to that document every single week. I can't tell you 
any weeks that I've ever not added a new exercise when I'm writing out client programs. So it's over 5,000 pages because I constantly want to try to, I mean 5,000 exercises, because I want to constantly refine what I'm doing and make sure everything's pinpointed and exactly what each client needs. And that is, I don't know, I don't know if it's a lot of work, it is, (laughs) but I don't care. It's how I do it, that's how you do it right. Like if somebody comes to me and they want personalized programming, I am not copying and pasting the same bullshit that I wrote for somebody else because it wasn't for them. So I can't, I can't stand when trainers do that. I've seen trainers do that. They'll charge personalized programming costs, but they copy and paste the same program for every client they work with, and it's frustrating as hell. Uh, but just because they do it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the right way. <laughs> so that's one of the ways that I stay engaged. It's one of the ways I'm constantly improving is tracking what I'm doing, plugging in new movements, and constantly tweaking and learning. So by tracking what clients are doing, you're going to better understand why you're seeing the results you're seeing and then how to modify or change those things to get a predictable outcome. So it's really important to track the data, especially in nutrition. Tip number five, last thing we're going to cover is you are helpful if you're at least one step ahead. So as a trainer, you can struggle with confidence if you don't feel as though you know everything. You can look at trainers who know more than you, and that can freak you out and say, Matt, wow, you know, maybe I'm not a good trainer. You're probably a great trainer. If you're even questioning if you're a good trainer, you're probably a great trainer because that means you care. And if you care, what you can think is, for each individual client, if they were a scale of 1 to 10 from the first day they ever got into a gym to like a professional, like an IFBB pro, natural pro, or uh, an elite powerlifter, or a professional athlete, uh, or Olympian. So they probably rank on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being first day ever in a gym, 10 being any of those professional things I named. Where are they? Are they a 3? Are they a 4? Are they a 5? Where are they at in that process? Then think of yourself as a trainer. Number 1 would be the first day I call myself a trainer. Number 10 would be is I'm the trainer of all those professional people. <laughs> so where are you in that ranking? So if you'd rank yourself a five, then you want to find clients that are five or less. If you rank yourself a three, find clients that are three or less. So if your client is a three, but you're a five, you're great. You're helpful. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know what they need to know next. You need to know what their next move is. If you know that, then you can help them. So you do not need to be a 10 to train twos. You don't need to be an eight to train a one. You just got to be what they are or a little above. (laughs) So you just got to know what they need to know next and you're helpful. Okay, so that was a long-winded podcast, much longer than I thought it would be, but hopefully it was helpful. I encourage any trainer, if you're struggling at all, please, please, please keep with it because if you have the desire to help people, man, that's, that's all you need. You know, if, if you honestly want to help people, keep working at it and you will eventually help them. And just focus on those wins as much as you can. Focus on who you have and just making just the best effort for them. And you'll continue to grow over time. If you have any questions, if you need anything, just shoot me an email. My email is brutalironjim at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jim. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.